I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 40 in which we read some magazines and I'm recording this on Saturday, February, oh, I think it's the 26th, but I'm really not sure, <laughs> of 2011. Um, I was just realizing this morning that not only am I on episode 40, which isn't quite uh, a, a landmark, we usually r wait until 50 to be a big landmark, but I am I have almost as many podcasts done as I do years that I have lived, which somehow seems kind of significant. Uh, so, you know, when I get to episode 45, that would be exactly the same number of years I have lived. And we're getting close to 50. And somewhere in there must be the year anniversary of when I first started podcasting, because I think I started sometime in March last year. So I will look up that date and see what I can find. And I don't know, maybe I'll do some sort of special celebratory giveaway or something. So that's kind of something coming up that I hadn't really thought about much before this morning. Um, this podcast episode is going to be mostly dealing with magazines because I have been away on vacation. And when I'm on vacation, really the only quilting I get done is reading about it. So <laughs> I've got some magazines I'm going to review that are a little bit off the beaten path for those of us from the U.S. So that'll be kind of fun. I also have to tell you, this is actually the third time I have started recording this episode. Um, I had two other episodes done, one about a completely different topic, and I got about, you know, three quarters of the way through recording it and decided that I was boring myself silly. <laughs> and so I decided if I was bored, you guys probably would be too. So I cut that one out, started again um, on a different one. And kind of had the same thing happen. It got a lot more long and rambly than I thought. And so this is my third shot. And hopefully third time is the charm. If this one doesn't work out, I'm just bagging it for the week and we'll move on. Um, which means if you hear this, that means I've decided, okay, it's good enough to post and hopefully they'll forgive me. Uh, I don't know what's going on with me. I think I'm still sort of in mental vacation mode because I'm just having real problems staying focused and staying interesting. <laughs> I guess I hope I hope I can stay interesting this time. Uh, so my Sandy update, as I said, I was on vacation. The last episode that I posted, um, I mentioned that my BFF BQF Kate was coming over that afternoon and we had a really good time. Um, she was sick as a dog, but she, you know, soldiered on because there was quilting involved and, and she didn't think she was still contagious. And since I haven't come down sick yet, I know she most likely wasn't. Uh, and we had a good time. And you will be hearing about the results of that little uh, shindig in a future episode, probably next week. I'm hoping I'm kind of pulling some other things together for that episode as well. So I think that's going to come together for next week's episode. And that one will actually be interesting. <laughs> so if you find yourself getting bored out of your skull halfway through this one, just shut it off, give yourself a week and come back next week because it'll be much better. The next day after playing with Kate and posting my last episode, we did head up to our family vacation in Quebec, which was an absolutely wonderful time. If you've never been to Quebec, 
you really ought to go, particularly if you live in the Northeast and it's within reach. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous city. It was cold as no metaphor can I possibly come up with <laughs> to describe how cold it was. We did not step foot out of our hotel that we didn't have long johns on under our jeans and two pairs of socks and, you know, long bundled up coats and hats, gloves, mittens, scarves. It was... um fashion took a backseat to functionality. You know, here I am in this very cosmopolitan city and I look like, I don't know, Nanook of the North. I, who knows what I look at? And, you know, my hat was very cute, uh, but the hair underneath it, not so much when I took the hat off. So, you know, I'd, I'd look nice until we got into the restaurant and then I just hoped people weren't actually really looking at me. Um, but frigid aside, it was gorgeously sunny, which is actually why it was so cold, because there was no insulating cloud cover whatsoever. But for those of us who um, come from the part of the world where I come from in western New York, you know that we actually don't see the sun. We we think it's somewhat of a myth and, a, you know, probably just something that happened in a long time ago and we'll never see it again from uh, you know, mid-November until about mid-March. It's just, it's gray every day. And um, it was just gorgeously sunny the whole time we were in Quebec. So I was going to take the frigid air temperatures if I could just see that sun. That was definitely worth it. It was a very active uh, vacation. We always do a lot of walking around. We tend to park our car and just leave it, and particularly in Quebec, because it's hair-raising to drive through Quebec. It's a very old um, village town built on sort of European town standards, so they're very narrow streets, um, a lot of one-way streets, nothing on a grid whatsoever, so streets, all sorts of bizarre intersections with streets coming at you from all sorts of angles. So really, you just try to get to somewhere where you can then leave your car and not have to be in it again. Um we did drive out of town twice. We went tubing one day at this huge tubing complex that was about oh, maybe half an hour north. Um, and that was a fantastic day. Exhausting. And again, frigid. Um, colder than I think I've probably really ever felt. But it was so much fun. You kind of almost didn't mind. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd like to say that we were all happy to be cold. We weren't. I was whining. But it was <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, and the second day we went dog sledding. And the place we went dog sledding, there's actually, uh, there's a few different places you can go dog sledding up in that neck of the woods. We went to um, one that was uh, Inukshuk, I-N-U-K-S-H-U-K. And I would highly recommend that one to anybody who wants to go. I have not tried the other ones. Uh, my niece, um, if you recall from the last episode, I think I said this, that we took my daughter who turned 18 while we were there, happy birthday, and her niece or her cousin, who's a month younger than she is with us because my son was not able to go, still being at school. And so uh, my niece had been to Quebec on a school trip back in junior high. So she'd been there a few years ago, didn't remember a whole lot about it, but they had gone dog sledding and she did remember going dog sledding. And she was the one that, you know, had said, oh, we should do that when we're up there. But they went to a different place and she said she really liked the place we went to better. Now, whether that's just because she was there with us rather than 150 other eighth graders, you know, that that may do something to skew your opinion a little bit. But we had a fantastic experience. Our guide was wonderful. The dogs were fantastic. Um, it was really, really very well worth it. And again, it was a beautiful sunny day. Uh, we were on two different sleds. My daughter and niece were on one and they swapped off driving, mushing, as they call it. And then my husband and I were on another. And then, of course, our guide led us on his own um, with his team. And um, I let my husband drive the whole time. I just chose to ride because 
I didn't really feel the need to drive the dogs. It wasn't that I was afraid of doing it. I knew I would be able to pick it up. It's, it's, you know, the, the technique of it, not all that different from riding a bike, actually, once he described it to us. Um, but it was mostly my husband, first of all, was very good at it. He showed quite a knack, um, the outdoorsy guy that he is. And I really just enjoyed being out in the woods on a sunny day. So I had a great time. Uh, it was freezing. <laughs> Again, let me not overstate how cold it was. Um, they had given us those when we were sitting down in the sled itself, we had a big um, insulated sleeping bag to cover us up. And of course, I was, you know, in all of my usual layers. Um, I did have to take my gloves off to take pictures. So I took very few pictures and very, very short video clips because, you know, I couldn't stand being more than 10 or 15 seconds without my gloves on. It was that cold. Um, and most of my pictures are of dog butts anyway, <laughs> from the angle that I'm at. There's only so many pictures you can look at of dog butts, but they were cute, cute dogs. Um, you know, dog butts, notwithstanding. Uh, I did post a short video clip from the dog sledding experience on my blog. If you want to check that out, that's um, quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. And there's a link to that from the show notes to this episode. So that was a lot of fun and something we had never done before. And we really enjoyed it. And the girls were in heaven. My daughter has always wanted to drive sled dogs and just had the greatest time. Um, So that was a lot of fun. Um, From a quilting perspective, I did not have any handwork at that moment to bring with me. So all I had were my quilt magazines, hence the topic of this episode. And I did, of course, read folks um, quilt blogs when I could steal my husband's iPad away from him. Um, So I did, I was able to keep up on everybody's, on my listeners quilt blogs while I was gone. So thank you for giving me my quilting fix while I was out of town. Uh, We got back Thursday night. Uh, We had to come home a little bit earlier than we would have normally because my husband just got on a plane this morning for China. He is currently flying. He's, I think he's on the 15 hour leg of his flight right now. Um, My sympathies go with him. But because he had to go home, he wanted, you know, a day at home to stop in at the office, get some stuff done, get some laundry done, repack, all that kind of thing. So I decided to go ahead and still take yesterday as a vacation day rather than working myself. And um, I spent, you know, some of the day unpacking and nesting, you know, trying to get the house reorganized. But then I spent a couple of hours, at least at my sewing machine, working on my mother-in-law's quilt. And then I've spent another couple of hours today. I do still need to do some more on it. I think I've got like, I don't know, something like 10 blocks left to do. But I'm finding that I'm only good for about four blocks at a time. And then I have a mental burp. And (laughs) I just need to walk away for a little bit and then go back to it. The blocks are not complicated at all. In fact, that could be part of the issue is that... um, they're fairly fast to put together, although I have to be, you know, careful about accuracy. They're they're almost um, enticingly fast. You know, I could really whip through these things, but I would really kick myself later if I did that because they would end up wonky. Uh, there, there's some issues going on with some of them anyway, but but I, that that might be a podcast episode later. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that now. Um, but that being said, I'm just doing a lot of the same thing over and over and over and over again. And that just kind of gets a little bit old, even though I'm thoroughly enjoying the quilt. I'm loving seeing it come together. The more blocks that get put on my wall, the more I know my mother-in-law is going to love this. Um, so that's really exciting. But I, you know, it's just a little tedious getting there. And, um, Partly, this is the first time in a while I've done a quilt this large as well. I've been doing a lot of wall hangings, a lot of throws. This is going to end up being at least 
probably twin-sized, maybe a generous twin-sized quilt, and that's been a while. So um, that's probably part of my issue, as I'm just used to working in smaller doses. Um, but that being said, I'm hoping to get the blocks, at least the blocks finished by this weekend. Unfortunately, I'm pretty much gone all day tomorrow. We've got one thing after another all day. So I doubt I'm going to get much quality sewing time in tomorrow. So that kind of puts, I don't know if I want to call it pressure, but for myself, that means I just would really like to get these done today. So that's um, my Sandy update. Not a lot. Now, another thing that I don't have a lot of this week is listener comments. Um, you guys weren't quite as chatty with me this week as you have been in the past. Maybe that's because I was gone and you knew I was gone, so you decided not to talk to me. Um, maybe I'm hoping it doesn't mean that the last episode was really tedious <laughs> or anything. Um, I'm, I'm still just climbing out of my February funk, by the way, so my attitude isn't as positive and peppy as usually is. So um, pardon me if I'm sounding a little more negative uh, lately. The sun in Quebec helped a lot. If only I could have been warm. Um, <laughs> I have to laugh. One of the things I said to my family uh, the last night we were there, I, I said, I've had a great time because we always go through this thing about, okay, what was your favorite thing we did? What was your favorite memory? And so we were kind of sharing all these things. And I said, you know, I had a great time. I am just done with being cold. I can't wait to get home and into my soaker tub. And uh, pretty much two hours after we got home on Thursday, I was in my soaker tub with as hot a water as I could handle for as long as I could handle. And that was the first time in a week I had actually felt thoroughly warm. That was significant. Anyway, okay, back to listener comments. See, I told you I wasn't focused. Um, I did get a couple of new entries in the You Know You're a Quilter When category, and thank you to both of you because I keep forgetting to remind people about the You Know You're a Quilter When. If you want to leave your own response, just go to uh, www.quiltingfortherestofus.com and uh, look for the You're a Quilter tab, and you can leave your own response there. Noni said, You know you're a quilter when you travel. All you see are quilting motifs for applique, patchwork, or quilting. And she sent me some pictures to show this. I, I believe she has also posted the same thing on her blog, so you can see the pictures there as well. Uh, I went to a hotel casino, and all I saw was the various Chippewa Indian motifs that would make beautiful quilt applique, patchwork, and quilting motifs. And, and that's very much true. I've had that experience myself, not with Chippewa Indian motifs so much, but certainly with other ones. And and was seeing that while I was in Quebec. There was all sorts of uh, gorgeous uh, inspiration there as well. So thank you, Noni, for that entry. And Jane said, you know you're a quilter when, Sunday at church, while sitting on the front row in plain view of the pastor, I found myself surreptitiously sketching the design of the decorative grate covering the baptistry window. Looking looked like a great combo piecing and applique design. I'm also seeing possible future quilts in the manhole covers I see on my daily walk, and there's a front door that intrigues me as well. Uh, yes, very true, Jane. And would I encourage you, by the way, to go ahead and make a wall hanging using the design of the decorative grate on your baptistry window and then donate it to the church. I'm sure they would love to have that hanging in their sanctuary. So, And if you do, by the way, send pictures. We always want pictures. So thank you, Noni and Jane. And again, all the rest of you can also tell us you know you're a quilter when dot dot dot. Uh, thank you also to Sue and Jay and Nancy from Philadelphia, who has a blog that I enjoy thoroughly, and Christy, Kate, Jennifer, and Julie. 
Oh, and also Noni left a comment, um, and I didn't make a note to myself where this comment was left, sorry. Uh, but she said AQS is having their quilt show in Grand Rapids, Michigan for the next three years. And Noni, I am equally excited to hear that because I believe Grand Rapids would probably only be a day's drive for me. I would have to double check that, but I can reach a lot of Michigan <laughs> from my house within a day. Uh, so that would be a lot of fun to have that nearby. And Beth left a comment um I had mentioned something about only being able to do so many of these blocks on my mother-in-law's quilt at a time before I started getting stupid, is, was my phrase. And so Beth said, um, I second the stop before you get stupid philosophy, which is why at 10.40 p.m. I have shut off my machine and have poured a glass of wine. Happy sewing tomorrow. Uh, thank you, Beth. I did have happy sewing today. And um, periodically today, I have had to stop before I got stupid and do something else for a little while and then go back to it. Um, I love to have, you know, to think I've got this whole day available for these long marathon quilting sessions. But the reality is I can only do so much at one time before I just, my mind just turns off. It just stops. <laughs> and and if I keep trying to barrel through at that point, it gets ugly fast. So I need to learn that as soon as my mind shuts off to just stop, walk away, and then I can come back to it in a few minutes. So thank you all for your comments. And I apologize if I missed somebody. I had been keeping everybody's comments. And um, with each of the previous episodes that I recorded for this week, um, I was going through the comments in a very organized fashion. And I think in the last one, I might have deleted a couple thinking that I was now done with them and moving on. So I apologize if I missed somebody's comment. Um, please don't take that as discouragement. I encourage everybody to comment a lot. I really enjoy reading everybody's comments. And a lot of times that gives me content for my next episode. So thank you very much. Don't forget that the deadline for the Stash Mystery Challenge is quickly approaching. I need to have your pictures in my hot little hands by Monday midnight, Monday, March 7th, in order to be entered into the drawing. And I've already received several photos already. If you want information about the Stash Mystery Challenge, just go to the website at quiltingfortherestofus.com and click on the tab marked Stash Mystery Challenge. When this one finishes, by the way, there will be another one. I'm going to do one every quarter. So um, at whatever uh, podcast episode I post after March 7th, I will be sharing the theme for the following quarter, and you'll have another chance. Um, and you can enter into every quarter if you want to. Um, or just enter into one. So anyway, check out the Stash Mystery Challenge. Uh, you may have something that you don't even know actually would work for it. So um, read the uh, directions about what the Stash Mystery Challenge is. I did actually explain the challenge in episode 33, in which we make quilty resolutions, which was posted December 18th, 2010. So if you want a little more information about it, you can also listen to that episode. Otherwise, I'm looking forward to seeing your pics. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about quilt magazines. I, um, like I have said before, I am a magazine junkie. I love quilt magazines. Um, pretty much all of them. I, I really haven't met a quilt magazine I didn't like. I subscribe to a lot of them. And certainly the ones I subscribe to, you know, they're hit and miss like anything. Some issues I find a ton that I really love in others. You know, I may not find anything that month or um, only one project or whatever. Um, but I do still love them. I even love the ads because it lets you know what's out there. You, you, I'm, I'm somebody that loves possibilities. I live in a world of possibilities and I enjoy, you know, the ads are all these possible things that could make my life better if only I had the money. Um, but I, I do like being aware of what's available on the market. 
and um, being aware, obviously, of the new fabrics that are out there, uh, plus seeing all the quilt designs. Even if I never make any of those quilts, they certainly inspire me in some way. So I enjoy magazines. So when I'm about to travel, I tend to stock up on quilt magazines. And some that I cannot subscribe to really practically speaking, because subscription rates would be sky high, are international magazines. But when I get a chance, that there's a couple of bookstores near me that have a decent selection of them, one better than the other. And unfortunately, the one that has the better selection is further away from me and a store, a bookstore that I'm only rarely at. It's a, it is a Borders, um, but it's on way on the other side of town for me, but it's a very large Borders. And um, a couple weeks ago, my daughter had asked especially if we could go over to that Borders because they carry some books that she likes that she can't get anywhere else. And so I'd, she and I are always good for bookstore dates. So we went ahead and went over and I found a, the mother load of international quilt magazines that I did not already own. And so I picked them up and took them with me on my trip. And I wanted to just talk through them a little bit with you um, because those of us who are here in the U.S., the, the price on these uh, magazines can be a little bit off-putting. But the way I look at magazines uh, is, I for a U.S. published magazine, I pay the same amount for a subscription as I would pay for a quilt book. But for that same price, I get, you know, X number of issues of new ideas rather than a book that I might go through a couple times and then have it on my shelf for reference. Um, so I easily see that as a, a decent investment. For the international magazines, um, you're going to pay as much for one issue as you might for an entire subscription of a U.S.-based magazine simply because of shipping, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Um, not entirely. I mean, I don't, don't want to overstate it. They're not going to be $25 for an issue, but you're likely to pay somewhere between $10 and $15, $15 for an issue. Um, personally, I'm okay with that because I get so much enjoyment out of it, but you just you have to decide if that's going to be something worth it for you. Um, this, on this particular trip, I was able to travel in my magazine life to France, to Australia, to New, Zing New Zealand, to, uh, the UK, um, and to Ireland. So, um, while I was in Quebec, I was actually all over the world. Isn't that a nice way to think about it? Uh, Quilt Mania magazine is the one that's printed in France. And I've actually seen French versions of this, but I don't remember enough of my high school French to be able to make it through and make heads and tails of it. This is an English translation. Um, it is The translation can sometimes make some of the paragraphs a little bit dense, uh, trying to work through them because some of the sentences are therefore more complex than they might normally be. Um, but it's still fun. And the magazine itself was a really wonderful magazine. One of the things I like about international magazines in general is you're introduced to quilt artists, um, quilt makers that you may not normally meet. You know, they are people that are very well known on the international circuit, but maybe haven't become as well known yet here in the U.S. And so it's just a nice way to sort of broaden your horizons. The other thing I really enjoy about um, these quilt magazines is by and large, all of them, you know, as all of our U.S.-based magazines do, they will highlight and show photos from uh, various quilt festivals in those other countries. And, for example, in this issue of Quilt Mania magazine, which, by the way, the one I was looking at was number 80. Doesn't have a date on it that I can see. It's probably on the inside. Um, but this one had a spread on the Birmingham Festival of Quilts in 2010 in Birmingham, England. And the award-winning uh, 
quilts that they were showing here I had never seen before. They were not ones that have made it, you know, to exhibits here in the U.S., at least not that I'm aware of or have been, you know, pictured in any of our magazines. And some of them, as always is the case in these kinds of spreads, are just stunning. And some of them very, very moving. Um, The first one that catches my eye is the very first quilt they have pictured. And I'm not going to pronounce the title of it um, correctly, but it's Awelei, I think. A-W-E-L-E-Y-E is the name of the quilt. And it's by um, Bente Kultorp Anderson, is the quilt maker. And it's an African theme, and it's just a stunning quilt. And there's, it looks like there's a lot of meaning in there. Now, they don't tell you much about the quilt itself in the magazine, so I don't know what the quilt maker herself was thinking as she was creating this. Um, or him. I'm sorry, I don't know whether Bente is a male or female name. Um, I, I apologize for my ignorance. But it, the quilt itself, like I said, it's just very, it, to me, it was very moving. And um, I would like to know more about it. I may have to Google it and see if I can find it on the internet. Uh, But again, this uh, quilt festival also had some special exhibits about uh, quilts and traditional textile arts from parts of the world that I'm not used to seeing covered, like the Balkans and like um, Iraq and some other areas. and, And just, you know, really interesting to read through because this is not something we typically see in U.S. based magazines. Um, then, of course, they do have, you know, the spread on quilts that are gorgeous and just like quilts I would be seeing here. Um, but again, you know, just seeing some of the different types of cultures that are covered. Uh, there's an article in this one on um, historical quil- quilts uh, from Japan. Not so much quilts, I guess. I mean, it's in their historical quilts section, but it's actually dealing more with other textile arts and kimonos and things like that. Um and then they do have some quilt patterns in here. And fortunately, you know, for those of us who aren't on the metric system, uh, they do actually provide inches of measurements for things as well as the, the metric uh, listing. So we didn't, wouldn't have to do the math ourselves, which is always handy. Um, so all in all, I mean, I really, I enjoyed this magazine. It, it's one I have seen before. Um, and I actually think from the last time I saw one, I think their translation has gotten a lot better because I remember the first time I read this, I really had to kind of work through some of the paragraphs a couple of times to, <laughs> to figure out what they're saying. And this one was much, much easier to read. Um, the other thing I really enjoy about international magazines in general, this is again, sort of the living vicariously thing, is looking at their listing of quilt events in their area. Again, just like magazines in the U.S. do, you know, they'll list various quilt shows and festivals going on. Um this one, the Quilt Mania, does have uh, shows from all over Europe and um, other places. It has USA, Great Britain, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Spain, and Japan are listed in this one. Um, I don't know how you go about listing your event in this show because some of the U.S. ones are not uh, shows I would normally have assumed would you know make it on the national or international circuit, but... Um, somebody's doing their homework because they're listing them. Uh, so that's that was a really cool magazine. I mean, there's not a single one of these I didn't enjoy. I just took different things away from them. Uh, the next magazine, and I'm not doing these in any particular order, by the way, uh, Australian Quilter's Companion. And I had issue volume nine, number 44. Again, I'm not seeing a date on this, but that might be because they slap a price label on part of it that might have the date. Um, 
This one has a really wonderful cover wall hanging on it. Um, although the cover design is odd because it has a, a, what's called a cover line, a, a title on it that looks like it's labeling the quilt and it's calling it a reproduction quilt and it's this is not a reproduction quilt so I think that was just the way the cover got designed itself um, but in any case this magazine uh, again another thing that I noticed with these magazines in general was that they were much more text heavy uh, the US based quilt magazines with the exception of Quilt Life Quilter's Home and um, now Mark Lipinski's uh, takeover of it's not fat quarterly fabric trends the fabric trends magazine which was around for a while before mark lipinski became involved in it i've subscribed to fabric trends for years uh not real i mean it's not been along a real long time but a few years and have always enjoyed it um he has definitely put his own stamp on it but in any case those quilt magazines are more text heavy here in the u.s but the other ones are much more pattern heavy um the the international magazines were definitely more text-heavy as well. There was a lot more meat to them. And I enjoy both. You know, I I love going through magazines that are basically patterns. You know, they're nice eye candy. They're nice inspiration. Some of the patterns I might want to make. Um, but I also do like the depth that the, uh, the text-heavy magazines give you as well. Like I said, I'm a magazine junkie, not particularly picky. Uh, this one had a really nice article on the power of solids um, with some good photographs, demonstrative photographs or illustrative photographs with it. And I, that struck me as interesting because you're used to seeing articles on, you know, balancing colors or you're used to seeing them on how to use prints effectively and stuff. I haven't seen one in a long time on how to use solids. And so I really found this interesting and particularly the photos, you could say, oh, yeah, I can see what she's talking about in that. So that was a good article. Um, and they do other, you know, kinds of um, articles about different shows, some photos of quilts that have won awards recently, some other short articles, uh, free motion quilting and that kind of thing. Um, what I found interesting about this particular magazine is that it has a lot of project patterns in it for a variety of types of projects, wall hangings and, and some more de um, <laughs> art is what's coming to mind, but you know, uh, and tchotchke is the other words coming to mind. Neither of those is right. Things like pin cushions and little cushions and little uh, stuffed critters, <laughs> things like that. And also some more standard quilts. But in the beginning of each project, it has uh, some wonderful copy for uh, background information, and but not background information about the project itself. Uh, you know, in a lot of magazines, we're used to seeing where the the beginning of the project will be the quilt designer talking about what her inspiration was or his inspiration for that particular pattern or or some tips for making the pattern successfully. Uh, this is, for example, the first one I'm looking at, project one, is, a, I think, the wall hanging or a throw um, that's called Citrus Fantastic. And the only reason it's called that particularly is because of the colors, that it's got some lime green and some really bright yellow and that kind of thing. Well, the introduction information is all about citrus <laughs> and, you know, the history of grapefruit and where they came, where citrus fruits come from and, and um, some little things about, you know, in, in England, good children would get fresh oranges in their Christmas stockings and, and some nutrition information about citrus and uh, bleaching power, etc. And so it's really interesting that here's this quilt that really absolutely has nothing to do with citrus whatsoever, but because it's named citrus, now we're going to get background information about citrus. I, it was a hoot, but I really thoroughly appreciated it. You know, I, I'm not making fun of it. I enjoyed that completely. It just gives you a little more to think about. Um, 
the next project is a pillow cover with a, a star pattern on it, and it's called Seeing Stars. And the introduction information about that is all about constellations that you can see in the Australian sky. So it's just really an interesting take on your typical quilt pattern. This magazine was very project heavy, more so than the other magazines were, I think. And then, of course, it has in the back the, you know, the basic quilt design or quilt making skills that pretty much all the quilt magazines have in them. So this one, like I said, this one had a lot more of the projects in it. It was a very uh, hefty magazine. Um, I'm trying to check how many pages, over 100 pages, 125 or so, maybe even more than that. So it's a thick magazine. You definitely get, you know, I paid $16, I think, for this. And I would say there was as much in there as any quilt book I've ever paid for, you know, so that it's easily relatable. Uh, the next magazine to talk about is New Zealand Quilter, and this may be the first time I've ever seen New Zealand Quilter. I loved the cover of this. For some reason, I just found it really gorgeous. This is issue number 72, uh, and again, I'm not seeing a date on it. I'm sorry. The cover on it is, it's a quilt on a bed, and it has a woman kind of um, laying across the bed reading, and there's just curtains in the background. There's just something about the colors or something that really jazzed me. I'm not quite sure what it is. And maybe somebody else looking at it wouldn't have had the same reaction. But I really enjoyed it. And again, very uh, text heavy. I have a lot of pages dog-eared in this one. But less because of patterns and more about the articles. This one had a fantastic article on the Lao New Zealand Textile Training Project. And it's about um, some quilters from New Zealand who are spending a little bit of time each year in Laos, um, or Laos, depending on how you want to pronounce it, working with women there and teaching them how to quilt, um, you know, how to sew as an income generating project for them. And it was a very interesting article. It was a project I had not heard of before, um, but one, you know, I am 100% behind. So that was really interesting to read that article. It also had... um, an article that I really loved on the spirituality of quilting. And um, it's about, it, it kind of covers, the the picture quilt or the quilt photo pictured with the article is called Women's Work is uh, Sacred. And it's a collection of um, uh, what, embroidered doilies. Is that what you call them? Crocheted? I'm sorry, probably crocheted doilies. And uh, that were collected over time by the quilt maker and um how she kind of put it together, but it's also just her exploration of quilting as women's work, um, how that uh, intersects with our sacred life. It was just a very interesting article to me. And then the other article I, I dog-eared was quite a bit like the the Lao New Zealand project. This one is about a, a similar project, an embroidery project in Afghanistan, again, as an income-generating project for Uh, women living in Afghanistan. And as you've heard me talk about before, I'm all about that kind of activity, empowering women, um, giving women independence and the ability to support themselves or their families, um, being able to build their confidence in their own, uh, you know, even through their own um, creative skills, or in some cases like this one also intersects with their own cultural traditions as well, um, their own textile traditions. So I just found those articles, uh, particularly I kept going back to this magazine over and over again and reading it time and again. So if you're a listener in New Zealand and haven't read New Zealand Quilter, you should. Uh, And those of us who live elsewhere, try to find it in a bookstore. It was a really interesting one. Um, Irish Quilting. I have picked this up a few different times. 
uh, partly because I've always wanted to go to Ireland. Um, I was just pitching my husband that, you know, we're going to be on our 25th anniversary in another year and a half, and maybe we ought to think about Ireland for it. Um, Not that we'll be able to afford to go anywhere with two kids in college, but, you know, a girl can dream. In any case, the Irish Quilting Magazine, they do a wonderful job at taking photos of their quilts in various various Irish landscapes and things. And it's just gorgeous to look at. I mean, the quilts are nice too, <laughs> but I really, I enjoy the, the settings of the photos. But, the, you know, again, this is also a very good uh, magazine. I dog-eared several pages in this one. They have a, this one, they have um, kind of a block of the month going, you know, where the a pattern for a quilt is going over several magazines. And unfortunately, apparently I missed all but the last one. The, the last couple of blocks are in this one and it's on Celtic designs, um, or Zodiac, the Celtic Zodiac. And each of the blocks is a different Zodiac sign. And um, I have a sister that would be seriously into this, but the, the designs themselves are just really pretty. So even just with the two, you know, not having all of them, only having the two last ones, I thought maybe, well, I can at least make those couple of little ones and just make them a little wall hanging. There were several other patterns I really liked in this one as well. Um, but then the the other article I wanted to highlight is that they did have an article in here about how to avoid copyright infringement, uh, which we've had some discussions about in Big Tent, et cetera. And this one, I thought this was a good article about it as well. And of course, copyright law varies uh, from country to country, in which they, you know, they identify that as they write the article, but they say, here's some just basic kind of overall guidelines um, to use, which were right in line with everything I've heard in other places. So, you know, they really probably are fairly basic uh, copyright guidelines. They also have a little quiz that you could take to see how much you do know about copyright, which was kind of fun. And I was pleased to see that I did very well on the quiz. Uh, so that's a really neat magazine. And particularly if, if you're somebody who's always wanted to travel to Ireland, this is a great way to do it in this um, in this magazine. But they've got some really pretty patterns that I enjoyed in that one as well. And the final magazine I'm going to go over is uh, from UK. It's called UK's Largest Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. It's Fabrications Quilting for You. This one's issue 69, and it actually does have a date, December 2010 to January 2011. Um, It's a different size than other ones, so my immediate thought when I was going through it is, boy, I better not tear any patterns out of here because they wouldn't fit in my, um, my binder that I keep all my torn out pages in. But that being said, you know, again, I I enjoyed this magazine. It's a little bit thinner. There wasn't as much going on in it as some of the others. But again, you know, I used to publish a magazine for work, and they are extraordinarily expensive to publish. Our magazine eventually folded because we couldn't um, charge enough for subscriptions that people would actually pay it. Uh, that would make up for advertising income, et cetera. Most most magazines, by the way, are really paid for by the advertisers, not by the subscribers. So that's one reason why you see ads in magazines. Um, but that's an aside. Anyway, this magazine, again, there were several patterns that I really enjoyed, but mostly I, I enjoyed, you know, the quilt gallery. They went over the um, Scottish quilt championships in 2010. So again, you're seeing award-winning quilts that you may not have seen in other places before. Uh, they had a neat category for young quilter apparently uh, that they gave an award to uh, this person it's an under 16 quilt category it doesn't say how old she is when she won the awards I don't think but she's been quilting since she was seven and so that was kind of neat to see you know that they really are encouraging young quilters in some very real ways and then of course they have quilt patterns that I enjoyed um, and some different kinds of quilt patterns 
I was interested to see, um, I think I've mentioned that the book that I'm using for my mother-in-law's quilt is by Pam and Nikki Lintot. And there's a pattern in here by the two of them as well, which is a cute pattern that I enjoyed. And they have an article in this about um, pattern theory, as they talked about it, but making your own fabric sort of block printing. And it goes about talking about how to kind of line up patterns and everything, which even though I'm not doing any block printing now and not sure I, I ever would, it was interesting to read through kind of some of the theory behind creating patterns as well. So overall, as I think I've said before, I really encourage you to read I do encourage you to read magazines and nobody is paying me to say that uh, because you do get exposed to a lot of a wide variety of things in a very small place. You even learn from the ads, you know, if you read through those, but also explore magazines from other areas of the world because you will be again exposed to a variety of things that you wouldn't normally see at home. And that's true for anybody from any country. I'm not just speaking to my U S listeners here. Um, but do read them. You can learn a lot from them. And uh, the the international ones you can generally find at the larger bookstores. So I encourage you to do that. Um, that's it for this episode. And I think this one is an actual keeper. <laughs> you know, it may not be my most exciting episode, but it, it has some good information in it. So I will live with that. Um, if you want to leave comments and uh, talk back to me, just go to quiltingfortherestofus.com and you will see the show notes for this episode. You will also see links to my blog and to uh, how to follow me on Twitter and how to subscribe to the free newsletter, which I did also get out last week. And oh, uh, what else? Oh, by the way, on the newsletter, I accidentally called it the March newsletter because it's really only the February newsletter, but I am anxious for February to be over, apparently. So I apologize for that. So there will actually be two March <laughs> newsletters, uh, but the February newsletter um, called the March newsletter was all about March as quilting month. So um, if you haven't already subscribed, you might want to. I'm going to wait another couple of days and then I'll send it out to any new subscribers that have come in since I sent the last one out. Uh, and, oh, there's all sorts of other things. Our Flickr group, the Big Tent group, all of that stuff you can find at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. So I invite you to um, come along. And I think I said at one point, and I don't remember if that was on this variation of this week's episode, if you are listening to a podcast that you really enjoy and you want to share it with your friends, just go to iTunes and find the page for that um, podcast itself. And right next to the subscribe button, there's a drop down menu about tell a friend. And that gives you a variety of ways to send the link for that podcast to your friends. Uh, you can either email them the link, you can post it to Twitter or to Facebook or whatever. So speaking on behalf of all of us podcasts out there, that's a great way for you to help other people know what you're listening to and encourage them to listen to it yourself. If you are a member of a guild, you may also want to see if you can do a little tutorial sometime about how to listen to podcasts, because a lot of folks say, oh, well, I don't have an iPod, I can't listen to podcasts, or they don't even know what a podcast is. So you may want to um, find out if you can get on your guild schedule to say, hey, here's another great way to get um, some new resources for quilting, some new inspiration. Here's how you can listen to a podcast. And just do a short um, tutorial for them about how to access podcasts, um, how to do it through iTunes, how to do it from directly from podcast websites, that kind of thing. Um, that would be a great way to help expand the knowledge and repertoire, technological repertoire of members of your guild. 
Okay. Um, again, rambling, wandering, and I'll stop that now. Uh, looking forward to next week's episode, if everything turns out the way I hope it will turn out. Um, I'm going to be out of town briefly again this week, but only for a couple of days. So do keep talking to me. I get lonely when you don't. And uh, meanwhile, I guess until next week, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 